the Lord uh, moved up on me one day and wanted me to try to teach the uh, church the Bible and obey the Bible. And he shared with me how many Christians, many of his children, they loved him and they go to church and they hear scriptures for years, but they don't really obey it. Not correctly. That's the reason you have to enjoy him in part and always try to operate in his permissive will because the scriptures are not really obeyed. And he said to me, the word of the Lord come unto me saying, now I want you to start teaching the people in the church to talk to mountains. They haven't learned that yet, he said to me. They've heard it all their life, but they just sit there and hear it and go home and do what they want to do. So notice what Mark eleven twenty three says, what Jesus says there to you. You've got to look in the Bible. <clears throat> Jesus said, For verily I say unto you that whosoever, whosoever means you. Everybody say, Whosoever means me. All right, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say, everybody say S-A-Y. Now then you've got to open up your mouth to let words come out. That's the way you say something. You know, you should, you should have learned that when you were in the first grade. You learned that, actually you learned it when you was about ten months old. You open up your mouth and let sound come out. That's the way you say something. So it's amazing why the church hadn't learned that yet. Jesus says right there, whatsoever you say. And uh, some people go around and say, well, now that, that saying business, I don't know about that saying business and this and that and other thing. Well, I got news for you. You're not going to receive anything much from God. Anybody that makes fun of the Bible is not going to receive anything much. Jesus is talking to you. He says, what things soever you shall say, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, the Lord shared with me for that manifestation from him that Christians fail to talk to mountains. That's the reason they had to suffer. Now, you're just like me if you've been going to church all your life. You've heard that scripture all of your life, but we sit there in church and hear it and go out and get in our car and drive off and do what we want to do. But that's the reason that you don't receive any more from God than what you receive. Nobody in the world has ever died with cancer that talked to the cancer. Nobody. And they never will. Nobody's ever died with a deadly disease that would talk to the disease in Jesus' name and you tell it what you mean. But as long as you just flounder around and you're not good students of the Scriptures and you just kind of do what you want to do and, and say what you want to say and, well, you know, I go to church and I do this and I do that. Well, so what? So you go to church. You know what God says to church members? Don't be hearers of the word, only be doers thereof. Well, that's his word. He says, be doers thereof. What does that mean? It means open up your mouth and say something. Say what? Say victory. Say what you mean. If the devil comes to your house and tries to put something on you, the first thing you want to do is open up your mouth and say, No, you don't. Not to me, you don't. And say it loud and clear. 
Always remember this as long as you live. The devil is hard of hearing. You have to make him understand you loud and clear. Because if you don't, he just won't leave and he'll just do what he wants to to you because you're so weak in him. Because the devil only listens to authority. He don't listen to anything else. If you think you're going to whip the devil or make the devil leave you or make some disease leave you and just floundering around and going to church and say, well, you know, I love the Lord and uh, uh, if God wants to give me something, you know, he will. No, he won't. God will let you die. You'll die right in the midst of your ignorance. Die right in the midst of your ignorance just because you failed to obey the Scripture. I was speaking at the full gospel of business convention one time. Indianapolis, Indiana, and I come off a teaching teaching session in the afternoon, and uh, I walked up the main door, and there's a lady standing there, looked like she's about 40 years of age, crying, mad, brother, I mean, she was mad at me, and she said, Brother Hayes, Brother Hayes, and I said, yes, I turned around and said, yes, ma'am, she said, I don't believe what you teach, I said, well, to each his own, and I said, well, why don't you be? She said, it's not true. I said, what's not true? She said, what you teach? I said, well, what do, what do I teach? She said, well, what you teach? I don't believe it. It's not true. I said, why don't you believe it? I said, well, now, lady, listen. I said, if I taught you anything this afternoon besides the scriptures, I said, if you'll tell me what I taught you, I said, I'll be glad to get on my knees here before you and apologize to you. And apologize to God and apologize to you. I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't come here and teach you anything except what's in the Scriptures for nothing. I said, I wouldn't deceive you for nothing in the world. Well, she says, yeah, but my husband died at the age of 41 with cancer, and uh, he believed that the Lord was going to heal him right up until he died. People that believe that Jesus is going to heal them, they, they always bury them. about as far from the Scriptures as you can get. Always remember, Hebrews says, faith is right now, not going to, not going to be, not going to be. I believe that Jesus is going to heal me sometime, people says. No, he's not either. Mm. I believe, well, I'm just going to keep on. I believe I'm going to get baptized in the Holy Ghost sometime. Don't you, Brother Norville? I always say, no. No, I don't believe you are. No, I sure don't. I notice at meetings all the time when somebody comes and listens to the Bible out there, and I know you have to zero in on them pretty hard and pretty tough sometimes and read the Scriptures to them, you know, to get them to believe it and kind of shake their mind. I notice people all the time when they come up, you know, they just get mad at the devil for robbing them so many years and just get up and say, well, that, that's the God's truth, that's the God's truth. And just walk up front and say, lay your hands on me. Thank God I'll be healed right now. And you can't hardly touch them until the Lord heals them. That old stuff of floundering around and going up front and saying, well, I guess, you know, I'll just, I'll see what the Lord, you know, well, I'll see, you know, I've been up there before. And I say, well, you're not going to get here. You've got to be kidding. Your faith is on that level, you know. I said, lady, I said, lady, oh, what did I give you that wasn't in the Scripture? She said, well, I'm not saying that you taught anything that wasn't in the Bible. But she said, my husband died, I think, at the age of 41. And I was praying, and he was praying, and we all believed, and we had a lot of Christians praying, and they all believed, and we believed that the Lord was going to heal him right up until he died, so I know what you teach don't work. 
Now, it takes the Holy Ghost to get you out of something like that. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God moved up in me, you know. She was just, you know, just wrecking me over the coals. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God moved up in me. And now listen to this. And the Spirit of God said to my spirit, Ask her if she ever heard uh, her husband hold a conversation with the cancer. Lord, it's a God. I said, Lady, did you ever hear the you ever hear your husband? Let me ask you a question. I said, um, you have your Bibles with you, don't you? She said, yes. I said, turn to Mark 11, 23, please. And so she turned to Mark 11, 23. And I says, Lady, I want you to read that. Just read the first couple of three lines there. She said, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed. I said, Stop there. I said, Did you read that again, please. She said, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed. I said, uh, Read that again. And I, she said, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed. And I kept that up about eight or ten times, because I saw she wasn't getting it. And I said, uh, Well, did you hear your husband talk to the mountain? Let me ask you a question. Did you ever hear your husband at any time hold a conversation with the cancer? And she said, with the cancer? And I said, she said, no. I said, well, read that again. This is Jesus talking to you and your husband both. For verily I say unto you, Jesus said, for whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed. I said, well, did you hear him or not hear him? Well, after she read it about ten times, she broke and started crying and weeping just broke and started crying. And she said, you mean to tell me, you mean to tell me, Brother Hayes, if I had obeyed that verse of Scripture right there, she said, you mean to tell me we were that close that my husband would still be living? I said, my sister, your husband was only one statement, only one verse of Scripture away from complete healing. But when he refused to do it, or failed to do it, not refused to do it, if you're ignorant of these scriptures and you fail to do it, they don't work for you. The, the scriptures only work for people that obey it. And she broke and started crying and weeping. And I told her, I said, your husband was only one verse of scripture away from his healing. Only one verse of scripture away from his healing. Now notice Mark 11:24, and you'll find that out. Therefore, Jesus said, I say unto you, that whose, what things soever you desire when you pray, when you pray, Believe that you received them, and you shall have them. Now, see, if you'd only believe Mark eleven twenty three, the first three lines there, if you'd only believe that and talk to the cancer, it would have disappeared in Jesus' name because Jesus' name has power over all diseases and has power over all cancers and has power over the spirit of death in Jesus' name. We'll continue on this morning in the, this prosperity seminar why God blesses men and women with financial blessings. Is it God's will to bless people financially? Yes, it is God's will, but you don't have to have it, you know. It's just like getting blessed with healing. It's God's will to heal everybody. But you don't have to be healed to go to heaven. You can die with cancer if you want to. All you have to do to die with cancer is just be negligent about it, and you will. You'll have to know your rights in Christ Jesus and know what the Bible says about it and have to know how to get it. But the same goes down the line for any part of the Bible. All of the New Testament is for you. It was written for you. You have a right to receive any of the blessings that God's offered you in the New Testament from Matthew through Revelation. But if you don't know that, then you can't receive them. 
You just have to take, you know, people receive from God what they know. People believes and knows what they've been taught. That's the reason you ought to check up on your pastor. See how much he knows. If you don't know much, go someplace else. No use in you remaining ignorant the rest of your life. You might as well go someplace else where you can learn something. You have a right. See, when you get born again by the Spirit of God, my brother and sister, you're not some kind of a little puppet that's supposed to follow some denomination or because they have 10,000 churches or because this, while the whole bunch of them may be sick. It all depends on what they teach. The only thing that's not sick is chapter and verse. If they say, well, I don't believe in casting out devils, well, what in the world do you want to fool around with them for? They don't even believe the Bible. So God could never help you, not as long as you believe like they do. God only manifests himself and helps people that believe the Bible. I don't care what it says. It don't make a difference what it says. I mean, if Jesus tells you to use his name and cast out devils, don't back away from it and try to make some off-the-wall flim-flams excuse for it. Just in Jesus' name, talk to devils and say, Come out in Jesus' name. I mean, you can do that, can't you? Oh, yeah, you can do it. It's not hard. Try it sometime. You must say, Well, uh, uh, if I start doing things like that, won't my friends uh, think I'm strange? Uh-huh. <laughs> not only think they're strange, they'll think you're nuts. They thought they think you're, many of your friends will think you're strange if you even go to church. And if you ever get baptized in the Holy Ghost, they know you're way out. And if you ever start casting out devils, they'll know you've flipped out. If you don't believe it sometime, just tell one of your friends. So you know what I do now? And they say, no. I say, I cast out devils. And say, oh, sure. Is that right? It's the first, the first commission in the Bible for a believer. It shouldn't be as ordinary to you as just reaching down like this and taking a drink of water. It shouldn't mean no more than that to you. It's just an everyday duty thing. God said it, and you're supposed to obey it. But as long as you fool around with religious stuff and yield to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, and God says in the last days some of you will depart from the faith. Faith in what? Faith in what the Bible says. And have your own thing. Well, God don't want you to depart from the faith. He wants you to stay right in there with chapter and verse. Praise God forever. And he'll just bring great blessings to you. Listen to what the Lord is saying to you. Now, financial blessings, my brother and sister, are no different than blessings of working for God. They're for you, but you have to work for God first. And he plainly tells you that. Makes no bones about it. Third John, the second verse. God says to you and me, Beloved, I wish. God says, I wish. He don't tell you you're going to receive anything or get anything. He just says, I wish. I wish you would. God says, I wish you would. God says, I wish you men would be rich. God says, I wish you women would be successful and be rich. I wish you'd be prosperous. God says, I wish you would. He don't say you ever will, but he says, I wish you would. That's his wish for you. Well, where does he line it up at? Well, he wishes above all other things. That means everything is under that. He says, Beloved, I wish above all things 
that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prosper. And you'll receive those two from God as your soul prospers. You will receive those two from God as you believe the Scriptures and as your soul prosper according to the Scriptures. You say, well, uh, I had a relative that was a good Christian by the novel, and they loved the Lord, but they died with a disease at the age of 36 or 48 or 51. Well, I know, but their soul didn't prosper. Said, oh, yeah, they loved the Lord and they gave money to God and everything like that. They were a good Christian. I'm not talking about there's all kind of different prosperity in the Bible. First of all, if you want to be healed, your soul has got to prosper with healing scriptures. You've got to take the time to dig out healing scriptures in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and get them on the inside of your spirit, inside of your body. Now, if you want your body to be strong and be healthy and be normal, you better, you better work at it and get some healing scriptures on the inside of your spirit. Because if you don't, your body won't be healthy because the devil is definitely, the devil is going to definitely come to you and try to put afflictions upon you. He is going to. I can tell you that right now. He is going to. It all depends on what you can do with it when it comes. If you've taken the time and been a good student of the scriptures and you've memorized healing verses and you've got them on the inside of your spirit, when he comes and tries to put something up on you and fasten something up on you, you won't receive it. Your spirit won't receive it. Your spirit won't receive it. And see, a man is made up of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. And unless, you get, unless your spirit is stronger than your mind, unless your spirit is stronger than your body, then they will rule you. It all depends on which one of those three uh, wins out. Which of the ones the strongest will win out. But if you'll take time to put some scriptures on the inside of your spirit and feed your spirit and pray in the spirit, then your spirit will be stronger than either one of them. Be stronger than your soul, meaning your mind. Be stronger than your body. The only reason that you've got hooked up in all those dumb valleys you went through and made those mistakes is because you got troubles with your mind. It's a mind problem, my brother and sister. You don't have the right kind of scriptures on the inside of your spirit. Your mind is stronger than your spirit. And a, and, and a real highly educated person, it's hard for them to follow the Spirit of God because they follow the, what they've learned at USC or UCLA. It's a mind deal. And your mind is so educated that you rely on your knowledge of something because that you have a high education. Well, it's all right to have an education, but honey, education don't have anything to do with the Holy Ghost. God, I don't care if you go through all the universities in the world. When you get through getting degrees from all of them in the world, just remember, God is smarter than you are. And if I've got the Spirit of God on the inside of me, I have a right to listen to God myself. He can manifest Himself to me through the gift of the Spirit and lead me by His Spirit. And what to do and how to get it and the things to do. And whatever part of you now is the strongest, that's the one that you'll yield to, and that's the one that went out in the end. So God says, above all things, I want you to prosper and be in health. He don't say that you ever will. Now, don't get it wrong. He says, well, I'm a Christian. I'm waiting on it. No, no, no. He don't say you ever will. He says, I wish you would. Beloved, I wish above all things that you'd prosper and be in health. 
There is no disease in heaven. There is no afflictions in heaven. All the problems you have comes from the earth and comes from the devil because he's the God of this world and they come from him. None of your problems, none of your failures, none of your sicknesses come down to you from heaven. When you get born again by the Spirit of God, you took on a new citizenship. I shared with, the, with, with them last night about on the way to Jairus' house when the man came and told Jesus, says, and told, told, told him, says, told the crowd there, says, well, told the men, don't bother the master no more because the daughter is dead. And Jesus said, no, she's not dead. She's not dead. Made a flat, bold statement. Well, I know she was dead. From the natural, now I'm speaking a worldly language, a California language, she was dead. But Jesus said she wasn't dead. You say, well, what kind of a language did he have? Did he tell a lie? Well, he told an earthly lie. He told a, he told a Los Angeles, California lie. But see, when you get born again, now listen closely and you can get your thinking straightened out. When you get born again by the Spirit of God, you don't supposed to go by this world anymore. Your citizenship here after you get born again by the Spirit of God is for only earthly identification. You have a right to talk and have your being and have your say uh, what's promised to you in heaven. And life is promised to you in heaven. You have a right to call things successful. No, Jesus wouldn't agree with death. Are you kidding me? He never did attend a funeral. I mean, you and me do, but he didn't. He said, no, she's not dead. She liveth. Well, he knew that she liveth. He knew that there's life for her, see. He knew it. That's the reason you talk like that. But when you talk like that, you get manifestations from heaven. But when you start siding in with this world, I don't care what it is. When you start siding in with this world, and you don't know who, what kind of a citizen you are from heaven, then you just have to take whatever the world has to offer you, you know, whatever it is. I mean, you just have to go ahead and take it, you know, and put up with it, and live somewhere out there in God's permissive will. But now God has great, beautiful things for you, and you can have those things if you obey Him. But you've got to know who you are in Christ Jesus. You're a new citizen, my brother and sister. What's your name, lady? Your name is Michelle. That's not who you are. That's showing you your earthly identification. That's not who you are. Michelle, you are a queen and a king and a priest in the eyes of God, and you have a right to be rich, be healthy, have a clear mind, a strong body all the days of your life. You have that right. You're, the, the world that you're a citizen of now calls for that right. It gives you instructions exactly how to receive those things from him. But I see you're sitting in the front making notes. I mean, you can't sit in the back with no pad and expect to get these things unless you already know them. Now, if you already know them, well, you're safe. But if you don't already know them, you better take them down because I'll guarantee you if you don't take them down and go home and study them or buy the set of tapes I'll and listen to them at least 25 times each, I'll guarantee you it'll never work for you. The devil will steal it away from you. The devil will steal sermons away from you by Tuesday when you hear them on Sunday. You better take notes, my brother and sister. You go to your church and God gives your pastor some goodies for you on Sunday morning. You better find out what they are. Take them down and study them. Check them out with the scriptures. Make sure they're scriptural. Glory be to God. Because you have a right. 
Beloved, I wish above all things that thou would prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prosper. Well, I was prospering from the natural pretty well, you know. I mean, I wasn't a rich man or a real wealthy man, but I was just a young fellow, you know, in my 20s, making four or five, I built myself up to making four or five thousand dollars a week in my business when I, when I gave my life to God. When I fell on my knees at Georgia Tech and gave my life to Jesus, I was already making four or five thousand dollars a week. I had everything a young man could want. I think at that time I had four Cadillacs in my garage. I had a double car garage and two of them sitting outside. They were all paid for. My home was all paid for and everything I had paid for. And I just started stacking my money up in a safety deposit box and thousands of dollars. Because I believed in being successful. But see, I'm the, there's something on the inside of me. People, I could make a success out of anything. You've got to have confidence in God's Word. Just that strong, too. I'll guarantee you, you can give me $10 right now. Give me $10 right now and give me, just name anything. Just give me $10 and tell me to meet you here in five years' time and don't spend no other money except that $10 and I'll come back being a successful man. Say, so here's your $10, Brother Norval. I want you to go in the popcorn business and this is all you're going to get. I know exactly how to do it. I'd go to the store and I'd buy me some popcorn and I'd pop it and put it in little bags and I'd knock on doors and I'd sell it. And I'd come back and buy me some more and I'd take my profits and put it in the bank on interest. Or buy me a better popper, and I'd keep on doing it, and I'd keep on doing it, and I'd keep on doing it. And then when I got big enough, I'd hire me one salesman to sell popcorn with me. Then when I got big enough, I'd hire me two salesmen. It wouldn't be very long. In about six months' time, I'd have me about six or eight popcorn salesmen selling popcorn all day long. In five years' time, I'd come back in here with a popcorn empire. But anybody can make a success in this country out of anything if you know how to do it. And you can't do it, my brother and sister, without working. You've got to work and sit down and figure the thing out exactly what you're going to do with this thing. Now, I'll admit to you the way I am now, when God puts a demand on my life to go teach the Bible like he does 20 nights a month, I don't let my potential go out of the business world. I only take businesses now and buy businesses that the Holy Ghost gives me and have been that way for several years. That's the only things I fool with. But are you kidding me? I could have 30 businesses and all of them successful if I wanted to have them. I know how to do that from the natural. But you've got to work. God don't bless lazy people. God don't bless stingy people either. I said healthy and hungry. I didn't say they're hungry. If I meet them they're hungry, I'll, I'll, I'll buy them some food. I'll share with them even though they're healthy. But I won't do it but just two or three times, I'll guarantee you. Now, I'll go feed a poor family. Uh, if the husband is healthy and the wife is healthy, I'll go take him some food two or three times. And then I'll start asking him, what about his work? What about his job? And I'll try to help him find a job if he don't have a job. But if I see he don't want to work, I'll just let him starve. What do I want to fool with him for? You know, God can't bless him, so there's why you see me trying to bless him. I'm not God. I can't bless something that God won't bless. God won't even bless a man. God don't even bless lazy people. But God wants you to minister to them. Maybe you can help them. But the old poverty spirit gets a hold of somebody, you know, and they think they have to live in it the rest of their life. But you don't. That's the poverty spirits don't come from heaven. They come from the devil. Above all things, my brother and sister, God wants you to be successful and be in health. And you'll have those two, and you've got those two today. Even as your soul prosper, you have them.
But uh, I will admit to the average American businessman there is a deliverance that needs to be taken place, that will have to take place in your life. Because, see, for years I had my spirit trained from my early 20s to my late 20s. I had my spirit trained to work and to work and to work and to work and be a slave of my corporation. Well, God don't want you to be a slave to no corporation. But I didn't know it because I was operating in the natural, so I became a slave to my corporation. I'd work until 8 or 9 and 10 o'clock at night, brother, and be right back there at 8 o'clock the next morning. And I mean, I was doing thousands and thousands of dollars worth of business. And I sat on top of that thing, and I had about 42 employees. And I was knocking off four or five or $6,000 a week to my part. But I was on top of it. And when you, get in a, when, when you live in a world like that, that you've got 40-some employees, and they all look up to you, and you know that your knowledge, because I built the corporation up from nothing to where it was myself with my own two hands by my ambition and my working and not being lazy, and all those people looking to you for jobs, and you... Uh, and you go and you belong to a social world and, and you're connected with doctors and you're connected with lawyers and you're connected with successful men and you wind up in the country club and you wind up in clubs at night and having dinner with your friends and all that kind of stuff, you know. It's the whole thing. It's hard, it's hard for you to jerk yourself out of that world. And the further I got into that world was the emptier I got down here and the more confused I got up here in my mind. I, I began to get no satisfaction at all as far as life was concerned. The only satisfaction I could get was making another twenty or thirty or forty or fifty thousand. And uh, after you have so many stacks of thousand dollar bills down, the, down in the bank in your safety deposit box, and you've been to the country club a lot of times, and you've been you've spent time on the golf course, and you've been to all kinds of plays, and you've been to club after club after club, and you've been to all kinds of state dinners, and you've been to You've rubbed shoulders with all the successful men in town. You get to the point, it don't even mean nothing to you. You just get to the point, is this all life has to offer? It don't mean nothing to you. But it, there's a deliverance that has to take place in your life. And uh, it took place in my life. I could not get the dollar marks, even though after I gave my life to Jesus, I could not get the, I gave my life to Jesus because I was miserable. The reason I gave my life to Jesus is because I was so miserable, I could not stand it, and I was so confused, and I asked God to kill me, and I just fell on my knees at Georgia Tech and said, God, you won't take my life. I've asked you to take my life, and you won't take my life, so just take me. You won't kill me. You won't kill me, so just take my life and use it. Do what you want to with me. And I'm riding the car the next week. Just about one week later, I'm riding the car, and the Lord came to sit in the car for an hour and a half. And I cried for an hour and a half, and I thought, pardon the expression, I thought my guts was going to come out. He left the car. Uh, I was a new man. There was a desire within me, there was a desire within me to do his work and to follow him. I made up my mind to do his work and to follow him. But now my problem was I didn't know how to do his work because I'd never been trained how to do his work. Didn't know how to be led by the Spirit of God. Just got through help building the First Baptist Church, and Dr. Pruitt was our pastor, and Dr. Dodson was our assistant pastor, and uh, we had a real nice, beautiful church and everything, and uh, had everything you could possibly want. And the soft organ music, you know, and the beautiful choir, and everything just so-so. And I just loved that church. Man, I could float in there on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock and sit there in a real nice, sweet, fragrance atmosphere and float out at 12 o'clock. 
And they didn't, re they didn't require anything of me. I thought that's the way it was. I thought that's the height of it now. Yeah, this is the height of living, brother. When you can float in church at 11 o'clock and float out at 12 and don't have to do anything. But when I gave my life to Jesus, I found out he required a lot more of me than floating in at 11 o'clock and floating out at 12 o'clock. He had to float you, all right, but he had to float you. He floated me into the ministry of helps. That means where you give all the time and never get anything in return. You need to go through that. I've got a book out there entitled God's Boot Camp. If you haven't been through God's Boot Camp yet, you need to go through it. I said the ministry of helps is where you give your earthly substance and yourself to human beings that's in need. You give it all the time away, but you don't get anything in return except from God. And you get blessings in return. So the Lord started blessing me spiritually. But you know, when I got involved in the ministry of helps, I couldn't get the dollar marks out of my eyes. That was my problem. I couldn't get the dollar marks out of my eyes. My spirit had been trained such a way to make money. I could not get the dollar marks out of my eyes, and I would not spend enough time of working for God and do the things He wanted me to do. So I had those dollar marks in my eyes. And I said, Oh, God, I need to be delivered, Lord. I need to be delivered. I said, Help me, Jesus. I used to go out and pray at midnight in the fields and cry out to God to Him to help me. Because it was in me. Just in me. I was a slave to my corporation. It was just in me. And so uh, I was reading the Bible one day, just reading the Bible, just so long reading the Bible, over in the book of Matthew. Turn with me, please, to the sixth chapter of the book of Matthew, and I'll share something with you, how the Lord delivered me, how God delivered me from dollar marks. Glory be to Jesus. Now, are you getting the picture now? Are you getting the picture that already, I was already being blessed, or I was already a good worker, I was already a good manager, I was already a good organizer in the world, and I could already make good money as far as the world was concerned. I mean, none of my buddies made four or five thousand dollars a week. They made two, three, or four hundred, something like that, you know. They couldn't get over me. And even if I rubbed shoulders with all the successful men, I usually made more money than they did. And me in my twenties. So, they looked up to me pretty much, me being so young. And uh, so when people look up to you, you know, and and uh, you know, and you float into a club on Saturday night, and right this way, Mr. Hayes, right this way, right this way, and they know you by name, and they know you've got it. They you know you've got four Cadillacs, and they'll give you anything you want. Don't make a difference what it is. They'll just get it for you. It's kind of hard, my brother and sister, to be jerked out of that kind of a world. Because you get involved in that kind of a social world. Now, I don't mind sharing this with you because you'll just have to know the truth, you know. No use in you going out trying to figure it out. Now, when Jesus came to me and sat in my car for an hour and a half and uh, just wrung me out like a rag, that's the reason I'm single today. I was married and had one child, nine years of age. At, the, at that time, my, my little girl was nine years old. And, uh, but my wife wouldn't accept that. She was in a social world with me, and she came from Boston. She's a Catholic from Boston, New York. 
And uh, everything was all right as long as you're in the social world. But when I walked in and looked as white as a ghost, she wouldn't know what was wrong with me. And I said, you wouldn't believe it if I told you. I don't even believe it myself, hardly. I said, can you believe the Lord came to sit in my car for an hour and a half? The Lord who? I said, Jesus. And I said, I'm going to follow him all the days of my life. I said, he's really real. I said, I'm going to follow him all the days of my life. He wants me to come and follow him and believe the Bible. He wants me to come and follow him. Can you believe that Jesus would want me? Why, she said, yes, Norval, I'd believe that. She said, you've had the call of God on you all your life. But she said, that's not me, Norval. She says, I hate anything that takes you away from me. I hate your employers because they have to spend so much time with you. I hate anything that takes you away from me. Takes you away from me. And she said, now this. She said, so I'll just get a divorce. I didn't believe she'd do it, but she did And she came back two years later to my hometown and begged me for a week to marry her back. I mean, begged me for a week. And the Spirit of God said, no, don't you marry her back. She is not going to follow me. And the Lord came to me and says, I'm going to set you, son, on a high hill. I've cut your feet loose from the net. And I've pulled you out of the murky clay, the Lord told me. He said, I'm going to set you on a high hill, and the light will shine down from you to many men. And if you'll walk with me and be faithful to me, when I get through with you, I'm going to bless you like the prophets of old. And people will know that you had to be in my presence to get blessed like that. And I want my blessings that will flow into you to be the cause of multitudes and thousands coming into the kingdom of God. Because they'll listen to you. When they know you've been in my presence, they will listen to you. And my brother and sister, you can't be in God's holy presence having to do things for you. When you share it, people will know that you've been there. They'll just know that you've been with Him. And boy, when you're with Him, it's the greatest thing in the world ever happens to you. Now, God delivered me from dollar marks through a vision that I received. Let me share my first vision with you this morning from heaven. You know what a vision is? A vision is when God shows you a supernatural scene. It's a supernatural manifestation from God. A vision from God to you is when God shows you a scene that he wants you to see. I mean, my brother and sister, you're just like me. Sometimes you need to see scenes that you haven't seen yet. You need to see it. Lester Summerall said as a young man in Dyersburg, Tennessee, after preaching in the schoolhouse one night with about 20 or 30 people there, God gave him a vision in Dyersburg, Tennessee of the world going to hell. And God told him he was about 18 years of age at that time. And God told Brother Lester Summerall, says, when he gave him that vision, he says, if you won't get married, and if you won't get married and have a family like these other evangelists do, and have your own thing, he said, I'll do great and unusual things for you, my son, if you'll follow me. And if I ever want you to get married, I'll let you know it. And Lester didn't have a date with a girl from the time he was 19 
until he was 32. Lester didn't have a date with a girl for 13 years. And he preached around the world as a young man. God would send him around the world. He's preached in over 100 nations of the world. He's just got back from around the world over New Orleans praying one day. And the Spirit of God came upon him at about the age of 33, I believe it was, and told him, said, do you remember that girl that played the organ in that mission overseas in a certain, certain place where you was at? And he said, yeah, I remember her, Lord. He said, I remember her. He said, I want that girl to be your wife. Write her and tell her I said that. <laughs> he never had dated her, never had kissed her. So he said, I wrote her a letter. So I'm in New Orleans, Louisiana, and the Lord, and I was praying, and the Lord said, He wants you to be my wife. He said, Would you please pack your clothes and meet me as soon as possible? <laughs> I was having lunch in their home one day after speaking in their church, and I said, Sister Summerall, I said, What in the world did you think after you got that letter? She said, While I was reading the letter, she said, The Spirit of God came up on me, and the Holy Spirit witnessed to me, Pack your clothes and leave. <laughs> So I packed my clothes and I left, met him in New Orleans, and they got married. They'd been married 30-some years with three grown sons. Now listen closely. Neither one of the sons has ever worked one day in their lives outside of the gospel, and all three of them are married and working in the gospel with him. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. You talk about the blessings of heaven. Of course, I learned some things from Brother Summerall because I found out a long time ago if you fool around people like, if God puts you with people like Kenneth Hagin and Lester Summerall and people that's been solid for years, you'll learn quite a number of things that you don't know. <laughs> I used to go to his church and speak all the time. They liked me to come up there and speak. And so every time I'd go, I learned the doctrine from Brother Lester, the power of laying hold of hands and how, the, how it's transferred, how the Spirit of God is transferred and flows from one person to another one. Now, see, laying hold of hands is a doctrine of the church. It's a doctrine of the church, a doctrine. But you better watch out. Now, let me pass this on to you. You better watch out who lays hands on you. Now, I'm warning you fathers out there and mothers. I'm warning you, and you better listen closely to me. I am warning you. Do not allow any kind of an evangelist or preacher to lay his hands on your children or anybody else unless you know who they are. Don't let them. A homosexual preacher with a familiar spirit, anointed with a familiar spirit from the devil, can lay his hands on your little child and work their sex life. And they'll turn out so screwed up and you wonder, well, why did my child do this? I can't understand my child. Well, back there seven years ago, you went to some goofed up meeting and you don't even know the gifts of the spirit wasn't operating through you and you thought that he was nice, you know, and he thought he was a, a good preacher. Because his power came in. Just because power comes in the service, that's no sign of anything. You've got to be kidding. It's got to be God's power. The devil always wants to manifest himself with power to try to show that he's God. Well, he's not God. No, he's not God. And you better watch out who lays hands on your children. If you don't do it, you wind up some real goofed up children. That spirit flows from one person to another one. Brother Lester used to call all of his sons and his little fellows like this, you know. I'd be there speaking. He'd say, now, I'd already prayed for them three or four times. If they'd been there, maybe, you know. 
say, for four or five days, sometimes a week. I'd be in his office, you know, and him and me would be talking, you know, and he said, well, I want to give you a gift, Brother Norval, for coming and so forth, and we're just sitting there talking, you know. And he said, well, before you leave, Brother Norval, I want to get my sons. Let me go ahead and get my sons one more time. He said, I want you to lay hands on them one more time before I leave, before you leave, one more time. He'd go out and get all three of his sons, line them up there. He said, now, Brother Norval, before you leave, he said, lay your hands on my three sons one more time. And one day he let me know why. He says, I like the spirit, Brother Norval, that God's given to you. I like the condition of your spirit. And I want, I want the kind of spirit you got to flow into my sons. He said, lay your hands on them one more time and pray before you leave. And I'd lay my hands on Frank and Steve and Red and I'd pray and pray. And the spirit of God would just come upon them, you know, and bless them and bless them and bless them and bless them. I didn't know, see, the importance of that, but he did. But it's so important, my brother and sister, so important to learn how the Spirit of God leads you and how it flows and how it flows and how it flows. Well, the Spirit of God can flow inside of you to give you a vision, to give you a scene that you can see something that God wants you to see to help you. Now, the sixth chapter of the book of Matthew, uh, I was laying on the top of my bed one afternoon just reading the Bible, just reading the Bible down like this. Just, I was reading the sixth chapter of the book of Matthew. And I read, just laying there, I had no earthly idea anything was going to happen to me. And so, when I'm reading the Bible like this, all of a sudden, uh, just all of a sudden, the top of my head began to turn warm. The top of my head. The top of my head began to turn real warm. Just like it laid a warm cloth on top of my head in one spot. And from that one spot, it began to run and move down over me like this and came over my eyes. When that warm substance came over my eyes, I went blind as far as this world is concerned. I caught myself, when it went over my eyes, I caught myself and I was seeing into another world. I mean totally another world. And then I began to come out of my body and I began to go up into the air. And I saw... I saw a whole field full, thousands and thousands and thousands of lilies. Now, it was like cool in the afternoon, but late in the afternoon between uh, sundown and dark. And it was so still and beautiful, and the lilies were just barely was like this, just so like slow motion kind of, you know, just so beautiful. And I was sitting there looking at this whole field full of lilies, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm up in the air looking down on them like this, and all of a sudden, I go down. God takes me right down into the field full of lilies, and I look at one lily. God lets me see it from where it comes out of the ground. It comes out of the ground, and it has little branches on it, and it has leaves on it, and so forth. And it was the most beautiful, glorious thing I'd ever seen in my life. And it was just standing there. Every leaf and every branch was full of peace, full of content. No cares, no worries, no anything. The stillness and the peace of Almighty God was all around that one lily, and it was so beautiful. And all of a sudden, the scene changed, and I saw a king's chair sitting over here. It was empty, and it was sitting on top, top of blocks of gold, 
billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars worth of gold. And down from the chair, a king's chair, down from the gold, run, looked like green canker stuff was running down the side of the gold, and it had dried. It was the ugliest, coldest-looking thing I've ever seen in my life. Nobody around it, just an old king's chair sitting there empty on the top of billions of dollars worth of gold, and green canker had run down over the gold, the ugliest mess I had ever seen in my life. From a beautiful scene like this to a king's chair, the highest position you get in the world, on top of all the wealth that the world has to offer you. And it looks so ugly. And then after I saw that, I began to come back into my body. And I was laying on the bed there with my Bible up on my lap like this, crying, tears streaming out of my eyes like this. And the Lord said to me, Now, son, I just showed you a Bible vision to let you know what to put first. Put me first. Notice the, 20, the, the 28th verse. Now, this is Jesus talking to you and me. Sixth chapter of the book of Matthew, the 28th verse. He's asking you something here. Jesus says, And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies, plural now, of the field, how they grow. How do they grow? They grow because God touches them, and that's the only way. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon, King Solomon, richest man in the world, that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these lilies. Was not arrayed like one of these. When God showed me that in actual scenes, pulling me out of my body and showing it to me, it delivered me from dollar marks. God let me see that day the importance of going to the city dump and feeding the poor people. God let me see that day the importance of getting involved with the gospel and helping people that needed help. God let me see it. You understand? See it. I saw it just as sure. And, and how to be led by the Spirit of God. And the, and, and the important thing in the world was to be led by the Spirit of God. Be led by the Spirit of God. I said, okay, Lord, I'll just go ahead... Whenever you bring things across my path, Lord, I'll just go ahead and be led by the Spirit of God. Jesus, I want to do what you want me to do. I said, God, I fell on my knees at Georgia Tech and gave my life to you. I want my life to belong to you. I said, Lord, I've been a goofed-up mess for years trying to claw and work my way to the top, and I finally made it as far as just an ordinary American young businessman is concerned. And I said, but after I got there, Jesus, and got all the money I wanted, I said, I, didn't, I wasn't happy. I said, I wasn't happy, Lord. I said, the only time I'm happy, Jesus, when you touch me. Jesus, the only time I'm happy is when you touch me. I want you to touch me. I want to be in your presence. And I found out it's the only time other people are happy. It's when they come in contact with Him, Jesus, the Son of the living God, and receive from Him what He can give you. 
Jesus said, you can't ever taste of the heavenly gift and ever accept the world anymore, ever be satisfied with the world anymore. You can't ever be, your body can't ever be filled with God's Spirit and have the blessings of God and have the Lord come up on you and you dance before the Lord or shout or whatever, you know, uh, and be free in your mind and never go back into the world and live in sin and never be happy again. No, you can't, you can't be happy. You'll be a miserable, wretched human being because the Lord has so much more to offer than what the world has to offer. I said, okay, Lord, I see it, I see it. I see the benefits of helping somebody that's in sin. I said, Jesus, I see it. I see the benefits of helping poor people. I see the benefits of helping widows that has nobody to help them. I see it, Lord, I see it. And I said, lead me by the Spirit of Jesus and show me what you want me to do. Now, let me teach you something here. You're not responsible to feed every poor person in Los Angeles. You're not responsible, my brother and sister. Don't go out here and get out of God's will and kill yourself. You're not responsible to cast the devil out of everybody in Los Angeles. You are only responsible for the ones that God brings across your path. Now, if you choose to go out and help them, knock on doors or go out and do things, that's all right. The Lord will bless that. The Lord will bless that. But there's a certain amount of those people that you're responsible for, my brother and sister. You are responsible for it. God will bring them across your path. And see, you're not made like me. I'm not made like you. God's never made two mouths alike. The Lord's never made two faces alike. God's never made two voices alike. God's never made two personalities alike. I mean, you know, sometimes you go to a church, you know, you go to one of these wild churches, and they, they think you're not spiritual unless you shout and uh, unless you run around the building with them. Well, I mean, some people don't want to run around the building, you know. Running around the building does not make you spiritual. You understand that? Dancing before the Lord for 30 minutes does not make you spiritual. I mean, it's all right to do that. When the Spirit of God comes upon you, go ahead and do it. That's all right. It's fine to do it. I'm not knocking it, you know. A lot of times our Bible school students just dance before the Lord. Sometimes I do a little shuffle myself. <laughs> not too much. But, but uh, <laughs> that's not what makes you spiritual. The thing that makes you spiritual is when you listen to the Spirit of God on the inside of you and doing God's will. When the Spirit of God comes upon you and gives you an order of what to do, obey Him. Tell God today that you're available to obey Him. Yeah, but Brother Norval, I thought this was a financial uh, seminar. I, I come here to learn how to make money, Brother Norval. I come here to learn how to make money. I want to learn how to make money. I'm telling you, 